18 at first. <clears throat> it's hard to turn on your TV today and really watch anything that we don't have in the back of our mind now. Who's going to be killed today? Who's going to be shot and slaughtered? You know, my wife asked me the other day, have you heard about the killings in Germany? I said, no, somehow I missed that one. And an 18-year-old goes and, and begins to kill little kids and, at McDonald's. And our world, really the subject today, our world is going to change because our world is changing. Right now, in the back of our minds, I don't think we think anybody's safe. I don't think we think that anybody is too far removed for something to take place. Jesus told his disciples what he thought, I'm sure, was good news to him. They didn't receive it as good news. As a matter of fact, when Jesus told him what he told him, he got troubled. Look what it says in John 14, verse 1. Jesus said, look, don't be troubled, what I'm saying. You trust God, you need to trust me. I'm not going to lead you astray. I'm not going to tell you a lie. I want to tell you the truth. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. I like what verse 3 says in the New Living Translation. When everything is ready, I am coming for you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This old preacher gets down in the dump sometimes. I get discouraged just like you do. I look at the world situation, and I look at the turmoil and the trials, and I look at all the trouble around us, and I say, man, Jesus, we need you. I wake up in the morning praying, Lord, I love you with all my heart in in this world, and, and we need you. And here Jesus said to a troubled group of men, don't be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Why? Because when things get ready, I am coming for you. Now, many refer to this event, which is the next calendared event on God's calendar, is the rapture. Some say, ooh, that subject scares me. It ought not scare you. No, it ought to encourage you. You see, on Wednesday night, I heard Jason announce it. Beginning the 10th, we're going to be studying prophecy in here. 
We're going to listen to some of Tony Evans stuff. You never heard Tony Evans on this. You're going to be blessed. But see, he talks about all kind of things. And in the end, the rapture is for the church. That's who I'm preaching today. I'm preaching to you and me and, and what all this is for for us. But you see, prophecy is the prediction of the future under the influence of divine guidance. There's the big word eschatology, which we learned in Bible college that talks about the theology and the study of future events of God written from his perspective. Mike, do you really believe Jesus is coming back? Yes, I believe that Jesus is coming back. When things get ready and folks, there's heating up. You say, you don't know the time or the day or the hour. No, I don't. But I'll tell you what Hebrews 10, 25 tells us to do. Despite what some people believe, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But no, we're to come together, not just to worship, but to encourage one another. We're to come together to warn one another. Jesus is coming back. Especially now that Paul says, the day of his coming back again is drawing near. First Thessalonians talks about the catching up of the church. Jesus coming back. I just got back to the, the Panama City Beach, and believe you me, it's as hot down there as it is here. And a father and his daughter were out on the beach side, and they were swimming together, and all of a sudden they got caught up by an undertow. The undertow pulled them out to sea, and the waters got real rough and very difficult. And it was difficult for them to fight and try to get back to the shore. So finally the father looked at the daughter and said, Look, we're not going to be able to do this together. You're a good swimmer. I want you to turn on your back and float on this ocean until I get back and get some help. So over she did. Turned on her back, she began to float, and the father fought his way back to the shore, finally to get help. And a boat, and he went after to look for his daughter. Hours they searched, and finally someone said, there's a body floating on the ocean. They drive over to the girl's body, and there she lies, calm as a cucumber, looking up at the sky with a smile on her face. One of the men said, Young lady, are you not afraid? And she said, well, of course not. My father told me he would be back. And here he is. Jesus said to the church that is discouraged, to the church that's going through financial difficulty, to the church that can't wake up seemingly a week without seeing someone being murdered or killed, a church that's under fire and tribulation and and turmoil. Jesus said, don't worry. 
when it all gets ready, I am coming back. What is he going to do? He's going to get us. Why? John 17 tells us that Jesus prayed for three groups. He prayed for himself, he prayed for the disciples, and he prayed for future believers. In John 17, Jesus prayed to this to the Father. Father, I pray that these that you have given me be one as we are one, and that one day they will be with me. You want to know what the heartbeat of Jesus is? He's just waiting on the Father to say, go and get my church. Now listen, guys. Sometimes we just need to be encouraged. Sometimes we just need to be told we are victorious. We have got the best yet to come. And that is to spend a life and uh, uh, to spend a life and an eternity with our Savior, Jesus Christ. I was reading 1 Corinthians 6 to the class I was teaching this morning. And in that class, it talks about how we get so caught up in trivial matters. We argue and fuss over the dumbest things. But in that passage, it says, don't you understand that you are going to be judges? Don't you get it that you are going, some, many of us are going to sit as a judge over angels? He said, how are you going to do that if you can't get it over the goofy stuff, the simple stuff, and learn to gather around and rally around the unity that Jesus loves us. He cares about us, and he's coming back. Why? Because we've got to be changed. You say, well, I am changed. Not this way you're not yet. The first change that the Bible talks about has to do with the change of us affecting our sleep. Now, I wish I could say that I was talking about the sleep where we lay our head down on the pillow at night. And if you sleep like I do, I, I feel for you. Because it seems like I can't remember when I wake up and go to sleep anymore. I see 11 o'clock. I see 12 o'clock. I see one. You know, anybody going through that in your life? I, I, I feel for you. And... and uh, I used to blame it on my wife because I thought that my wife was needling, hit me in the side because I snore so bad. And I used to think I didn't snore till they videoed me. Then I started praying for them. I couldn't sleep by that either. But I realized that I was still waking up hour on the hour after a couple of times my wife either sleep with the grandkids or something like that, and I still do it. The kind of sleep that Paul's talking about is death. He's talking about to those Christians who have died. They went through a change. You know, we ought to thank God for heaven because you and I are not built for heaven. You can't even go in outer space 
and get out of the spaceship without having a space suit on. on. You can't do it. Why? We were not made for anything other than right here. Something has to transform. There has to be a metamorphosis in your life and mine. And the Bible calls that metamorphosis the rapture, the resurrection, the time where your body will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Now, I'll have to admit, surgeons today do a pretty good job. I mean, I, I see some good work by the hands of surgeons on some people. But then there are some people, they don't look so good. They look better before they went and had plastic surgery done. What they look like is they stuck their heads out a window going 80 miles an hour, and it froze just like that. You talk like this, you know, because you can't really get, it can't pull the lips together. That's a bad, bad surgery. Be careful who you go to if you get plastic surgery. Some of you wondered, Mike, what am I going to look like in heaven? I hate to disappoint you. But you're going to look like just you. Matthew 17, Jesus was in dire strait for somebody to show up, pray for him, pray with him. Even Jesus needs prayed for. And the Bible says that the Mount Transfiguration, two prophets showed up. Elijah and Moses. I know for a fact Moses died. Moses' body was buried. But when they looked and they realized those two beings with a white heavenly glory glow around them, they said, that's Moses. So I'm sorry if you don't like the way you look now. You'll like it then. Because you'll be perfect. What ain't perfect now will be perfect then. First Thessalonians 14 or, or 4, verse 13. Look at it. And now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the Christians who have died so you'll not be full of sorrow like people with no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus comes, God will bring back with Jesus all of the who? Christians. Guys, there are going to be teachers tell you, oh, but preacher Mike, I believe in soul sleep. Oh, you do? Well, you've got a real problem with this passage. Because soul sleep means when you die, not only is your body in the ground, but your soul stays there with your body. Now, surely you can come to some conclusion when you read that the Bible says when we come back with Jesus, 
All those who have died are going to be with him. So how in the world are they going to be with him if they're in the grave at the same time? Jesus is good, but he ain't that good because he didn't teach that. You see, in Genesis 1.26, it said that God made man. It goes on to say that God took dirt. You hear me? Dirt. You want to know how much dirt he took to make you and me? About $9.95 worth. And you don't get that much dirt back when you're cremated. The Bible says when he made man, that man, that, that body lie there. Didn't move. And then all of a sudden in Genesis 3, he blew in the nostrils of man the, 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 the image and the breath of God, and he became a living soul. You want to know what goes back to be with glory when you and I die? Not your body. You become worm food when you die with your body. But your soul is with Jesus. Can you imagine that? My mama, I love my mama, but she wanted the rapture to take place so bad, she run up a debt that almost strangled me. And the reason for it is she thought in the back of her mind that it it didn't matter because Jesus was coming. And after all, Jesus came. She knew she was going to go, and and nobody's going to have to pay it. Well, me and mama... My love, I love you, Mama, if you can hear me. But we're going to have a business meeting in heaven when I die. I had to pay, get, work all that stuff out and get it all paid off. And then got criticized by my family for it. I said, it ain't worth it. But my mama just knew Jesus was coming back. My mama was right. Jesus is coming back. Now, the cool thing about it is, not only does it have to be a change and affect our sleep, but we've got to have a change to affect the saints. We can't go like we are. And so the Bible makes it very clear that in verse 17, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth, and it could be us, but what happens if it's not? 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 18 says, absent from the body is present with the Lord. That is, if you and I die, we're just going to go be with Jesus. But we're coming back with him. But if we're alive, when Jesus comes to get his church, we're going to see, we're going to hear. We're all the church is going to, not the non-believers. They're not going to hear any of this. Why? Because Jesus says, I'm coming back to the world like a thief in the night. They're not going to know what hit them until it's done. But we will be with him, and we will see it all happen. Millions of people will disappear, and people will wake up the next day, and we will be gone. Man, I'll tell you what. I'm starting to feel better about myself. You know, sometimes I think this world beats us down so that we get to feeling like nine ninety-five cent bucket of dirt. But just remember, God made you. 
and you're worthy. Our bodies might not be worth a whole lot right now. But then Jesus says, when, they, when I come back, I'm going to give you a new body, a glorified body. Some of you used to be able to do a good 100-yard dash. Now the best thing you can do is get a rash in a hurry. We will be changed and we'll be able to run again. And let me tell you something. The rapture is going to make, give us the ability to have a body, but then not. The Bible says in 1 John 3, we will be like him. That is, we will, if we want to, when we're in that glorified body, if I want to show up or I'm commissioned to go to the earth, I can. If not, I can immediately end up in heaven. Now, that's some cool flying. I don't know here. What you say? That's how I know he's got to change me. Lord of mercy, I anoint, pray, and, and, and ask God for coverage every time I get on an airplane. Because I get spooked when I get off the ground. Can you imagine if it were to happen today? You know what's going to happen? Immediately, the graveyards will be emptied, and then Jesus is going to, he's going to shout. We're going to hear a shout and a trump, and then we're just going to all ascend. Wouldn't that be cool while we're preaching with you? Remember now, I'll say, Mama, private business meeting. We're going to study on Wednesday night that there's a downside to the rapture. There's a downside to catching the church away. Because the church, it will not be the center focus anymore during the tribulation period. You see, the rapture is also going to involve you and I being rescued. You see, 1 Thessalonians 1.10 tells us that while we're looking and, and we, we, are, we are waiting for the, the resurrection and we're waiting for Jesus to come, when Jesus comes, he comes to rescue us from the terror of coming judgment. What is that? That's the seven years of tribulation. Hear me. Because if you don't hear anything else I'm saying, please hear this. If you're not a believer, if Jesus is not in your heart, if you have not accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior, you will not go. You stay in here. Prove it. God came to Lot. He said, Lot, get your house in order. Lot, tell everybody you can, but judgment's coming. He gave Lot an opportunity to get his family together and anybody else that, would li that was righteous to get out of the city. Why? Because judgment was coming. The fire and brimstone fell from heaven and burned the city. He contacted Noah right before he was to bring major massive judgment to this earth through the flood. He told Noah, while you're building the boat, preach. Tell people about me. Tell them that, that, that there's a flood coming and they're going to die and they need to get it right. And this is the boat of rescue. The Bible says only Noah... And his family went on the boat. The flood came. 
you know, I don't ever need proof that we had a flood. But if you want proof, in Elizabethan, Tennessee, some of you have been there at a camp called Doe River Gorge. I know Robin's been there because she about lost Jesus up there repelling off. On the top of the highest, of the third top highest places in the world, there's fossils proving that everything was underwater at one day. There's three, two other places in the world that prove those high fossils like that and as far as elevation. Do I need that? No. Do I need anything? Do I need a time, a day? Do I need an hour? No. I know Jesus is coming back. Why? Because he said he was coming back, and he's going to get me. He's going to get you. Who? You that are his sons and daughters. You that are his children. That's who he's going to get. And you're going to go. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 says, What I say, dear brothers and sisters, is that flesh and flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. These perishable bodies of ours are not able to live forever. In verse 51, he says, But let me tell you a wonderful secret. God has revealed to us not all of us are going to die, but we're all going to be transformed. That is, we're all going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Verse 52 talks about the blinking of an eye, which is one-fifteenth of a second. When the last trumpet is blown and when the trumpets sound, the Christians who have died will be raised in transformed bodies. And then we which are alive and living around that time, our bodies will be changed in the blinking of an eye where we will never die. Now, let me just tell you something real quick. We look at death and it's a a gloomy thing. But when those folks die, all they're doing is leaving their body. They never die. They just leave this tent and they go where they have eternally prepared. If you're saved, you go to heaven. If you're lost, you go to Luke 16. It's called hell. For you see, our perishable earthly bodies must be changed. Go through a metamorphosis into a heavenly body so that you and I can be ready for the glory of God. Acts chapter 1, verse 9, when Jesus ascended up into the clouds and disappeared into a cloud, two angels were standing there. And as Jesus went up out of sight, they said to the men of Galilee, Why stand you staring up into the sky? This same Jesus that has been taken away from you into heaven will one day, someday soon, come back just like you've seen him go. The Father said Jesus was coming back. Jesus said he was coming back. And the holy angels said he was coming back. You think they lie? He's coming. Why, it's so true. We don't have any idea when. You don't have to worry about the the, uh, when. Because the if is for real. It's coming. It's not conditional. He's definitely coming back to get us. First Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2 says, I, do, I don't want you to really, I don't want, excuse me, I really don't need to write to you about 
how and when all this happens, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. You see, 1 Thessalonians 5, 3 says, when people are saying all is well, and they're not saying that now, and everything is peaceful and secure, then disasters will fall upon them as suddenly as a woman's birth pains begin in her childbirth about to be born, and there will be no escape. I want to tell you a couple of things I'm done. One, there may be some of you who think you're in here, you're smarter than God. And you're going to beat this thing because you're going to live the way you want to live. And then during the tribulation, you'll get saved. Straight up, you'll say, are there tribulation saints? Yes. They got the head cut off, but yes. They're, they're tribulation saints. And you'll read about them in the book of the Revelation. But don't miss two things that are very significant and important that's going to take place immediately after we're out of here. One, immediately there's going to be a satanic deception. The Bible calls it the Antichrist is going to come to one world power. Now, years ago I used to preach about this and I couldn't see. I don't see Russia in this. I don't see any of these world powers in this. Oop, I do today. And I'm going to tell you what, if you don't think those rulers are not frustrated, you don't think that they're not financially scared, you don't think that, that our, our situation is not getting close to a, another financial catastrophe, it is. But then the second thing is more important than the first. And it's listed in 2 Thessalonians Chapter 2, verse 11. So God is going to send a great deception upon them during the tribulation, and they will all believe a lie. Then they will be condemned for not believing the truth and for enjoying the evil they do. Satan is going to come According to the Scripture, in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9, the evil man will come to do the work of Satan and will counterfeit power, signs, and miracles. Verse 10, it says, He will use every kind of wicked deception to fool those who are on their way to destruction because they failed and refused to believe the truth. This is what I believe. If you don't believe the truth now about the gospel... If you don't believe Jesus now, when you get into the middle of the tribulation or the beginning of the tribulation and it starts coming down to marking you 666, which is simply other than government control, and you will not be able to eat, buy, sell, gain, get anything without giving in to the, the political system, when you do, you are doomed. People that will not live for Jesus now when it's free are not going to live for Jesus when your head gets cut off. When you watch your kids starving to death because they can't get anything without you bending toward the way of the Antichrist. Now that says a couple of things to me I think is super important. One, This ought to be motivation to us. Because when Jesus comes, 
for the, for the church, it's just about over. You got lost loved ones. You got people that don't know Jesus, and you can call them by name. And you're not praying for them one bit. You need to be praying for them. You need to be lifting them up. You need to be telling them that and warning them that Jesus is coming. If Jesus don't come, death will come, and they still got to be ready. Number two. The ones that are left behind, I'm going to tell you something. Down deep, what I'm seeing and what I'm sensing is fixing to happen is spooky to me. But it ain't nothing like the hell's going to happen when judgment begins to fall during the tribulation period. Now, I believe with all my heart, or I wouldn't preach it, that we ain't going to be here. But the only ones going are the ones that are prepared. And they believe in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you need to run while you can. You need to run to Jesus while there's still a chance. You say, don't scare me. I'd rather scare you out of hell than scare you. I'd rather scare the hell out of you. And you accept Jesus for the right reason. Because we're going there. After we leave here, if we're not prepared. That's serious to me. And it ought to be on our heartbeat. It, it ought, it's the very reason Jesus came. Because he loves us. And he came to rescue us, to receive us, ultimately rapture us, and set us free. With your head.